Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday, Sussex Squad, Sussex Squad Nation. Everyone who's tuning in today and a raining Sunday morning. Yeah, rainy, rainy spring day. Oh my God, wherever you are, I think in some places it's probably afternoon. It's probably morning. It's probably evening. So. Gotta be one of them. (laughs) (laughs) I think we have covered it all. Welcome. There is so much going on, guys. I mean, what a week. We keep saying what a week, what a week. But it's almost like I feel like it's getting hot in here. Yeah, somebody needs to tell 2023 to pump the brakes. It's just going faster and faster and faster. I give it's already the end of uh, it's already the end of April. Yeah, so, we're closing in on May, which uh, is incredible to me. My God, how are you guys been? Great. How was um, your week? It's uh, it's another one of those things where you uh, you're so busy that sometimes you feel like you wish you were less busy, but then you remember that you're grateful to be busy. And so amen, amen on that. What about you, Charles? Yeah, I was. I mean, just flying through. I was pretty sure it was Tuesday. <laughs> just yesterday yeah so when i you know i when i got here i was like wow we're, this is already happening yeah so yeah it's been pretty busy yeah for me I, I i just feel like i'm still flying in cloud well you had a bunch of people wishing you well and making sure hoping that you got rest and some relaxation and that you're feeling better is that the case were you able to get any rest i would like to say i did that probably was last sunday after the show, I did get some rest, maybe just for a few hours. And then, so I've been going on little nap, 15 minutes nap. And that's pretty much it. In the last, what, 48 hours, um, it's caffeine. And it's also allergy pills, as you know. And so I'm right awake because you have to be awake for all of this, everything that's going on. I mean, history have called on us, and we are here for it. We are present for it, and we have to document all of it. There you go. So, what is going on, Charles, in um, the Sussex land? In the news. Nice. So, Harry appeared in a video to, at, uh, to mark the 150 days until the Invictus Games, which begins in Dusseldorf in September. And actually, on a related note, uh, Boeing actually has expanded its support of the Invictus Games, um, which obviously they're just proud to do that. They actually have a nice little quote here from Brigadier General Alfred uh, Mosteller, which is a project director of the Invictus Games, uh-huh. and saying how delighted he is with uh, to be working again this year and to provide the lasting support for the competitors on their rehabilitation journey. So fantastic. They actually even increased their, um, the, the amount in which they're actually contributing to the Games. So big pump up and big, uh, this is huge. big congrats for them. This is huge, guys. This is huge. Yep, 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 yep. This That's is awesome. massive. That's awesome. Um, Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. So, happy, happy, happy Earth, Earth Day. Happy Earth Day, Sussex Squad Nation. Yep, it is, uh, it is a big deal. And it is pretty surprising. Uh, it's actually the 53rd anniversary of Earth Day. Oh, really? Started back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably during the time of Jimmy Carter, I will imagine, because he was one of the pioneers that to start really um, solar at the White House. Could you imagine have they have sort of follow through where we probably would have been now? Mm. No, I, absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
Carter certainly got a raw deal. But it's actually uh, big props to you for kind of bringing up the history there. But actually, uh, it where it started from, which is interesting because a lot of people actually don't know necessarily where it started from, but it was actually in response to Senator Nelson and at the time, uh, the state of the environment on the heels of a devastating oil spill that happened in Santa Barbara. Uh-huh. And what year was that? Do you know? In 1970. Okay. So Was Carter was on? Uh, I believe it was actually Carter's president. I mean, I would like to say I am so smart to know that. Really, I've only heard that at Sussex Royal. <laughs> Thank you, Baron. Yeah. Hey, see, at least you at least you stood up and and admitted it. So uh, we we would take it. You did know it one way or the other. I don't know if I was present for that time. Well, you definitely were, but it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Twenty million people at the time actually were inspired to raise their voices. And so over uh, a half a century later, basically, it's become this whole worldwide thing. So um, I think we need to definitely expand that support. Uh, Mother Earth definitely needs it, uh, and we need to pay more attention. So we're really pumped up that um, it's actually growing and expanding in its influence. That's right. So the next thing here, actually, was Centibale. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure most of you know what this is, but it's a charity that was actually co-founded by the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Um, Santa Valley? I, I, I think that was, um, you know, Harry's mom. I, was it? No, no, yeah. it wasn't actually. It was actually co-founded by Harry, really? as Great. well as the Prince of right. Sieto from... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, from Lesotho, actually, in 19- That's 2006. Right. That's, That's actually right. where it confirmed. That's right. Uh, and it, uh, they received, actually, donations through the online fundraising support. And actually, Harry gave a shout-out to the Sussex Squad because of all the contributions that we've made. Absolutely. So big props to everybody who's tuning in. Um, and it was all thanks well, to your graciousness. We always show up and show out, although we supposedly, from what I understand, we are a controversial group. <laughs> I don't know what's the name. Yeah, every yeah. In in researching <laughs> this stuff, uh, it, controversial basically always followed or preceded uh, the word Sussex Squad. So, <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we'll yeah. take it. Yeah. We'll take it. Yeah, we'll take exactly. It. I'm mm-hmm. not surprised. And for those who actually don't know, uh, Centibale actually works with vulnerable children and young people in Southern African nations, uh, in Botswana and Lesotho, uh, in in to assure they have vital access to health services, especially HIV treatment. And the last thing I'll mention, actually, before I turn it back over, is that Prince Harry himself actually contributed over $1.5 million to the charity, uh, which helped contribute to the charity growing over 50%. Year year. Job, I Harry. wonder if it was when he matched the donation which we had um, raised for. So I think that might have been Could at that be. time. So anyway, it is incredible. But we we have a, a little bit of, well, not a little bit. It's a huge celebration. We should say congratulations to Sussex. Um, uh, the Duchess of Success. Of success. Duchess so of Success. Sussex Royal. <laughs> it's a early in the morning. <laughs> Again, um, and she just had celebrated her 500 shows with 15,000 subscribers. Isn't that incredible? It what is. an accomplishment! It truly 500 is. shows, guys. I think we probably we, we barely we're in, in our, our f- we're in our early 20s, <laughs> is basically where we are. <laughs> 
So yeah, 500, 500 is impressive. That is impressive. That is huge. So congratulations to you, girl. Very beautiful girl, I must say, as well. And um, what is next? Oh, by the way, we do have a huge announcement to make. But before you go to announcements, we ha- we can't forget comments. Because oh, that's comments right. this last week were incredible. They were absolutely amazing. We kept reading all of them as they came in. We're like, wow, we need to read that one. And we need to read that one. And we need to read that one. They're all, yes, they were all yes, amazing. Yes, you all yes. are just so wonderful with uh, the support that you share and also the insights you share. Um, but because we are time constrained, we're going to keep ourselves to three, even though it pains us. Um, but just to jump right into them, some of the some of the ones we want to share with you all. Uh, the first one is from Ruth R.D., uh, who hi, res- Ruth. Hi, Ruth. Thank you for the comment. Uh, who responded to last week's service saying, uh, the attack against Megan has always been racist. It was a warning to people of color, especially black people, especially uppity black Americans, president, politicians, educators. The risk of such attack was to continue to stifle black self-actualization. One risk that was miscalculated was Harry's determination to love Megan completely. Looking at the risk-taking in the British royalty cannot be separated from geoeconomic politics, the concentration of wealth in the upper class, and the othering of people of color and immigrants. Lower class whites have been bamboozled into putting their self-preservation below that of the moneyed group. The Mistress Queen seemed to be a foil to the new order emerging, and Charles may be a willing accomplice. Remember that he warned Harry to be careful how he spoke to the homewrecker in his memoir. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. It's very deep. Yeah, that's an awesome comment. Very awesome because, I mean, I think a lot had to do with really what we're going to be getting into later on. And we are going deep. Yeah. We are going deep. And it's also one of those things that is just so wonderful to read comments like that because one of the things that I think all three of us hope for is that even though and we'll we'll reiterate this in the disclaimers we're not necessarily trying to change anyone's minds we're trying to ask questions and provoke thought and that idea of even just sharing an idea of a, another way of considering something or another way of thinking about it even if you don't end up choosing to to agree with that right. just the fact that you went through that consideration process it expands your mind it expands right. the way that you think about things and everything so it's just a wonderful thing Absolutely. to be able to do and to also to be able to receive Amen on that. Uh, And so moving on to our next comment is from Becky Ann. Uh, Becky Ann wrote that the thing that most people can't get around their heads is that most people would do anything to be a part of that elite circle. And that's why people find it mind-boggling, especially about Megan, that she would get the golden ticket into the world of wealth, status, and privilege and choose to walk away. Who does that? (laughs) Amen. Well, someone who's incredibly strong, knows her self-worth in terms of her mental health and boundaries, and has the self-confidence to know she can make it on her own. I think that's why so many people hate her, because we've all had moments in our life where we wanted to be that person but couldn't afford it or needed the job but dreamed of it. Many people resent her because she had the means and the balls to do it. She also had the courage and audacity to take on the most powerful establishments on the planet and call out bullying and toxic behavior towards her. All this as a mixed-race American divorcee from a more modest background, a woman who shouldn't have been, who should have been grateful, not the person who took them on and left them on her own terms and defiantly. She was meant to disappear with shame, not carrying on, not carry on having a voice and agency over her life. She disputed the fairy tale narrative about being a princess and exposed it for what it is, a lonely, subservient, controlled human mannequin. 
She also shone a light, a harsh light on how the myth of the royal family struggles with real scrutiny in the modern multicultural changing world. I tell you, after those two comments, the show is over. <laughs> Thank you. you <laughs> that made that made the whole show. Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, I totally agree with that. How do you? It summarized everything. That's what I'm saying. It's hard. It's the, the really wonderful comments. It is absolutely beautiful. And so our last comment for uh, today. Uh, to leave ourselves something to say. Exactly. <laughs> the last comment is from Maddie B., uh, who uh, thanked us for the show and then went on to say, I just want to comment that Charles and Camilla have been living like there is no God for all of their adult lives. So maybe the use of the pagan green man on a historic invitation to the solemn Christian ceremony is, of course, intentional, but also revealing of their true feelings about God. Charles does not care about risk, but there will be consequences for his decisions. He just does not care. He certainly thumbed his note at God's commandments over the years. You are correct that he is a narcissist, albeit not on the same level of the malignant narcissism as was evident in Henry VIII, but nonetheless a narcissist whose endgame is getting what he wants at all costs. Harry and Meghan's exit from the UK is part of God's plan. God has a better life planned for them. This Windsor monarchy is coming to a close maybe sooner than we think if Charles is not able to pledge obedience slash allegiance to the Church of England. It's a fascinating time to be alive and witness God in action. And thank you again. Continued prayers for Sussex family, Doria, and Sussex supporting channels. Wow. Um, and that probably will lead me to um, make a statement because I really wanted us to even go back into the symbols but unfortunately something happened and we're gonna have to push the whole segment about symbols to next week as we approaching the last few days to the coronation I believe we are 13 days away, the lucky 13. You can look at it two ways, lucky or not lucky, right? 13. And we have probably two announcements to make. The first one, oh boy, here we go again, me knocking the microphone. <laughs> the first one is on Friday leading to the coronation on um, Saturday, I believe it will be Friday the 5th of May. We here at uh, Sussex Sunday, Sunday Church Service. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sussex Friday Church Service. <laughs> uh, yeah, we will have a service. And this service is really to reflect. And it's a pre- Pre-coronation. Pre-coronation. Help me here because... <laughs> <laughs> the caffeine's not fully kicking yet? It's no. not kicking yet. Yes. Yeah, so as Lady Sussex is saying, on on this on the Friday the 5th, we are um, going to be having a, an additional service in addition to the, the one we usually have on um, Sundays. And it's specifically leading into the coronation for us to have a time to be together to reflect and to pray because it's a truly important, consequential, risky, sometimes scary time 
uh, and leading right into that moment, it uh, it feels important for us to be able to take that time to do that. Um, so we'll be sharing some more announcements about it over the over the community channel and and in the next service as well. But one just as a heads up, we are looking to have all of you uh, who listen to us and who contribute and who comment uh, to be able to be a part of that in in uh, one way or another. Uh, and hopefully what that'll be is through uh, sharing messages, even if it's a message for Harry or a message for the Sussex family as a whole or anyone or whatever that message may be, uh, something to be featured in that service. So we'll we'll share more details about how we're going to get that done, but we are excited. Absolutely. And we also been hearing from our listeners how they can support us. Um, buying Which, by us the way, a coffee. By the way, is what? incredibly humbling to have I someone know. to have someone comment. I and I mean, the the comments that are as we just read are so beautiful and insightful, and it's uh, makes it makes you feel so good about what you're doing because you can see that uh, there's so much substance to this whole community and to and to what the the work that's being done. But also to have someone react and say, "Wow, you're you are worth even just buying a coffee." is uh, is really it's a, incredible, it's a, it's a and thing. God knows I need. We need enough coffee just to stay <laughs> this awake. This is true. Yeah, we definitely need a lot of coffee. And then also, just to just to add a little bit on that, it's also just humbling in how much rapt attention people actually pay to what it is that we say, because they really give insightful comments and really uh, contribute to what it is that we talk about every week. Um, because again, just as the comments that you read, they 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 are in so insightful, and then also um, just provide so much, I think, upliftment uh, to all of us. I think so. Yeah, just, again, being a part of a community. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. I mean, actually, when we started this, you know, one hundred was just enough for us that we thought we we ruled the world with a hundred. To now over two thousand subscriber. To now, you know, sort of, you know want to be supported for what we do and this is always not the reason at all that we, we 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 do that and no time that we thought that you know oh well maybe we're going to get some sort of uh yeah that was know, never the expectation that was never <laughs> the expectation but having saying that um as we are learning so much about you know okay how do you do that how do you get the support you know, is it through membership or is it through all those different um, stuff that I hear very often listening to Baron and other um, Sussex uh, channels. channels. The problem is that is happening with us as the new one of the new kids on the block. It's that we have a lot of eyes on us. I don't think we always expecting those influencers will have their eyes on us, given that, you know, we are such a small little thing here, but they are. And uh, they are almost probably every week make it quite challenging for us to produce and bring it what we bring to you every Sunday. And now it's appeared to be spite of us following all the protocols, everything and follow the rules. And yet we are unable to get our supporters 
to join us and be a subscriber. And you guys know what I'm talking about. So it's something that we are researching and try to fight. We will fight for that um, because we think it's very unfair, especially you guys ask how you can support us. And maybe, you know, um, I don't know, maybe through Ash. What's the name of Cash App. Mm -hmm. Cash App or something like that. Maybe that probably would be a way that you guys could support us. We don't even know. I don't know how that works at all. So I probably will, will need to find out if that option is available to us, whether or not we can do it. And obviously, having that kind of support, you know, being able to have coffees to stay awake <laughs> And um, probably even do a lot more with the show than we are doing now would be really, really wonderful um, because they are squeezing us and they are. But we're not going to silence. We won't be silenced because this is real service. It's not just a, a church service, but we looked at this as we are serving the human kind. This is real service. Service is universal. And we are here for it, and we're not going to be bullied out. Um, we did not come here to make money. That was not the attention. We don't even know how to yet <laughs> to know how to. And even if we did or when we do have that support, our plan is, is to be inspired by what um, Harry have done. You know, it's being able to share whatever it is that you know we receive back into the community back into the charities that you know we already support and so and we will all always produce a report on what we done with whatever help that we got and uh, so i hope you guys um understand what i just said <laughs> And um, we'll find out how we can best go about and then give you guys the information until we get everything settled down um, with, you know, I don't want to name the name because, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about to be able to have the channel, you know, function like every other channel because we do follow all the protocols and you know, so that's pretty much it. Yes, and to that to that point, we will at some point when we have figured it out, I've figured something out. We will put it probably in the community page and probably in the info tab, um, just for whatever it is. But having said that, one more thing, <clears throat> I actually wanted to talk about that last week, and I cut off like you know vaguely um, the information from one of the stand from um, Duchess of Success two week, I believe it's two weeks ago mentioned that you know at how someone was using her channel using you know the 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 channel to ask for support or sp be a sponsor of some sort of thing so we need to be looking out for that and also if anyone you guys have ever hear anything or anybody asking you guys anything on our behalf you know please deny it Please let us know because we'll always let you guys know exactly what we're thinking, where we are, and what we're doing. So be aware of that, especially all the other channels if you listen to to us. So should we get into the service? Because there is, we have a lot to go through. 
We do have a lot to go through. We have through. a lot to go through, guys. You guys better be prepared. So, Sex Squad Nation, be ready because we have a lot to go through. But before we can go through it, we got to give our disclaimer. Go ahead. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, as everyone who has listened before knows, and for those who haven't maybe tuned in prior, uh, it'll be new. Um, but this church service is uh, something that we do not because we are evangelical or trying to convince anyone to change their religion or even necessarily change their beliefs. Uh, we do this because we want to share what we hold to be important, what we believe to be true for ourselves, uh, and to provoke thought, to provoke uh, questions, uh, to be able to think critically about the world around us and the words through which it is communicated, uh, because we believe that is a, an important uh, part of getting to a place, a better place for society and in supporting uh, Harry and Megan's mission in doing just that. And so that's why we're here. Amen. Let's get the service started. Let's do it. <clears throat> well, Sussex Squad Nation, Sussex Squad supporters, Charles and George, as I said earlier, what a week. There's a lot been going on and we're going to get into all of it, but we need guidance. And as we do every week, we look for words that help us understanding and see where we are. And the words for this week, elite, crisis, collapse, Charles, can you work us through the word elite? What is the meaning of this word? Sure. So elite actually is a noun that was first used in 1738. It comes from the Latin. And illegal is actually the Latin root. Uh, there's uh, fairly... Say it again. Illegal. Mm-hmm. So... I think most people have a pretty good understanding in terms of what they're talking about. But basically, uh, the first definition is the choice part. Okay. What do they mean by that? So it's <clears throat> it's the best, right? Okay. So it can be used either singular or in plural, as well as the second definition of it, which is basically best of a class. Mm-hmm. As well as the third, it can also be used in singular or plurally, is basically a socially superior part of society. That's right. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and then uh, two more, a group of persons who by virtue of position or education exercise much power or influence uh, of members of the ruling elite. Yeah, That's right. And then finally, a member of such elite. A member of such society. Okay, so George, it's a funny word because when you when you first hear it, there's I don't know at least for me anyway, I have both uh, positive and negative connotations in my head, and there's certainly threads of anti elitism that go throughout society, especially in today's world. But it's also one of those things like if it's supposed to be the best of something, it's clearly supposed to be a good thing. Um, but it's especially in the context of our conversation today is probably going to be mostly focused on it as it relates to sort of almost the aristocracy, the elite in, in society. Um, and so there's a few interesting, um, there's a lot of interesting things, uh, a selection of some are here. Um, 
First is what many who, who focused on the subject will probably recognize is from C. Wright Mills, who wrote a book, uh, The Power Elite. Uh, mm-hmm. And he wrote the basically states that Very good book. the elite accept their fellow's position of importance in society. So it's actually really uh, the, the elites in in this, in Charles Wright Mill's um, uh, reckoning is actually primarily in, in terms of how they think about each other is an interesting uh, idea for what it means to be elite. Uh, he says, as a rule, they accept one another, understand one another, marry one another, tend to work and to think, if not together, at least alike. It is a well-regulated existence where education plays a critical role. <clears throat> yep. Uh, and another, uh, and, and we'll have two kind of diverging from diverging schools of political thought for the next two. Uh, the next one is Edmund Burke, who's f- referred to by many as the father of conservatism, said that the elite are those uh, representing the nation. They're this member of this elite group, uh, and that they discover and enact what is best for a nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's sort of what he means by representation when he talks about that. And he holds that inequalities are natural and unavoidable in any society, that some description of citizens, some group, uh, must always be uppermost. In a well-ordered society, however, this ruling group is a genuine elite, what he calls a natural aristocracy. Such an elite is an essential, integral part of any large body rightly constituted. So I think uh, <laughs> philosophizing on the the validity of Burke's beliefs on what a well, well-organized society is is probably beyond the scope of today's discussion, but at least it's an interesting uh, idea in terms of just even how elites consider themselves and think about themselves and how they relate to the rest, rest of society. Uh, and to that point, the last thing, before I stop talking for a minute, right. the last thing is uh, actually from uh, someone named John Higley and Michael G. Burton, uh, who wrote uh, an a academic paper called The Elite Variable in Democratic Transitions and Breakdowns. Right. Uh, and just very quickly, basically the idea being that stable democratic regimes depend heavenly, heavily on consensual unity of national elites. So long as elites remain disunified, political regimes are unstable, a condition which makes democratic transitions and democratic breakdowns merely temporary oscillations in the forms of unstable regimes. George, um, the last part, I would like you to sort of read it again, that part. Sure. And so it's interesting because it's specifically the elite in the context of uh, sort of transitions of power in, in democratic societies, which is obviously of, of particular relevance to what's happening in just 13 days. Mm-hmm. It says, stable democratic regimes depend heavily on the consensual unity of the national elites. So that the, all of those elites, as, as was just being described earlier by Wright Mills, that they actually accept and work together, that they think together, that they uh, have this general acceptance and, and unity among them. So what they're saying is that Stability depends on that unity, and that, on the contrary, so long as elites remain disunified, political regimes are unstable. It 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 really reminds me of a piece of um, a piece of information that you know we had gotten, and it was a report was done by. Um, this show I used to watch, it calls, um, we just watched it earlier that, you know, you go. 
Hugo Talks. Hugo Talks. And Hugo Talks, um, we were sent someone very special send that to us. And um, when we looked at it, I think it makes the argument to exactly what you're talking about with Elite. And maybe we should play uh, a part of that clip quickly. Right. And I think it makes sense when you looked at everything that is happening really right now. And how do you define and speak in terms of who this woman is, how she was able to be in the position that she's in and how she went about. And I think we're going to get into even deeper and more into it. I would like to hear, do you have anything you would like to add on, Charles? Yeah, I mean, I've just been sitting here thinking about, you know, the elite and classism just generally. And it's interesting in that for elites, they basically are almost self-nominated, yeah? So the elites are basically decided and chosen amongst themselves about who is and who is not. Because when you start thinking about it at all, you start to realize, okay, well, the elites and, you know, what George just mentioned, they have basically a unified or consensual thought in terms of how things should go. That this is basically how a country should organize. This is how a country should be run. This is basically how people should be kind of participate. But obviously these differ quite a bit uh, by country. So there are different ruling classes amongst each one of them. So it's not the fact that there's this single principle that basically all of these elites basically uphold. It's just the fact that it's consensual amongst the the countries themselves about who actually belongs in this class and who does not. So it's this whole, at least in my own head anyway, is this whole, it, it is, it's a class system of basically saying, okay, well, look, this is basically who's in, this is basically who's out. And then if you want to be in, then you have to agree with everything that we say. Right. So, George, is it fair to say when you looked at the Nouveau Rich and very often it's fighting to be a part of that elite, but not ever even feel like they are. And I think right now there is a fight to be in that class, to enter that class. Is it fair to look at it this way? No, I think that's I think that's definitely fair. And I think it goes back to what Charles was just saying, is there's this sort of tension of the, since the elite is self-defining uh, for those who are currently considered to be elite, whether or not they're going to accept new members or not. Uh, and that's the thing about uh, newer money or what you call the nouveau rich. They're not, they don't necessarily have, if they're new, it means they don't have the historical roots of, of that, in that class necessarily, which then means that it's uh, entering the group, which mm-hmm. then depends on acceptance by those who are already in that group. Um, but at the same point, they wield potentially economic power. So elite isn't strictly uh, defined in one along one sort of plane. It's all of these different things and how they interrelate to each other. So the fact that there is, for example, large amounts of capital or wealth or whatever that may be, even political power, um, that it it's it comes into play in terms of how they define themselves. Uh, but there's always going to be that tension. Yeah, because it really reminded me of... Uh story a while back that um you know our boy 
Barron has done. And it talks about the fact that how William's wife, its view, and her mother, as much as they have tried, they never, it's almost like never fit in, so to speak. Because there is a situation when you looked at the woman Rose, whoever she is, and with what is going on with William's wife, the two different women. And when you looked at Camilla Bowles, and you have she have not been a part of that elite, would she would be able to be in the position she find herself in? And so I would like to know a little bit more about what else do you have about elite? Well, the thing that uh, not not even <laughs> our own from our own Sussex uh, squad intellectuals. I want to go back to Becky Ann's comment because I think it's exactly on point. And I think it actually speaks to what you're talking about with how Camilla is trying to be construed or fit into this whole picture. Uh, because what Becky Ann wrote, just as we read just a couple of moments ago, is that the thing that most people can't, they can't get around their heads, their heads around is that most people would do anything to be a part of that elite circle. And that's, that's why right. people find it mind boggling, especially about Megan, that she would get the golden ticket and then choose to walk away. And it's it's actually a very interesting sort of um, phenomena to say that when you are sort of given an inv- almost an invitation to be a member of the elite, the fact that you can choose to reject it uh, almost elevates you even further, elevates you to a different level of status, uh, which is what we've seen with Megan and 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 how and the credibility and the authenticity and authority that she has as a result of her living her truth. That's right. Um, and that juxtaposition of that, what Megan has been able to do and, and accomplish uh, and live with what Camilla has been doing for a longer period of time um, and the, how very different they are. I actually, go ahead, Charles. Yeah, it's actually really interesting because when you start thinking of it that way, then what that is is that what Megan did is basically um, confront their power. Is what she did. She basically thumbed the, her nose at basically the, the the entire power structure. So, in that sense, they they basically have to defend themselves as being being on the right, right? They have to be the chosen people. They have to be those people that basically people must emulate. Therefore, anyone who chooses not to, or anyone who basically goes against them, must be destroyed. Because they are the best, right? Because they can't have a counterpoint. Because to your point of what you're, the very last thing that you just said is that's how democracies break down, is the fact that stable regimes depend on this consensual unity. And the fact that they're not, that, that obviously this, you know, that there isn't the unity and the fact that, okay, there was a, someone who defected away from it. Um, that's actually the problem, right? That's one of the things of why they're probably so strong and in, in, in why they're bashing Megan so much, mm-hmm. Megan and Harry, in, for that matter, is because they've chosen to run away from an institution that uh, really can't take a um, any kind of criticism. Yeah, I think it's actually, to, to your point, it's it's super interesting because it's part of it is one, it's even bigger than the institution. It's like this entire 
class of what's called elite. Um, and the other thing that's interesting about it when you go kind of uh, through some other angles of sociological thought is that there's so much of society is structured based on these sort of artificial barriers that are created to keep people in different places. Uh, and the elite specifically, given their, their position, continue to reinforce and create those barriers to their own benefit. And so the fact that Megan and Harry were able to say, oh, actually, we uh, don't accept these sort of rules and ways of living and uh, form old ideas about the way things should be and that they actually can be better for everyone, uh, it simultaneously uh, elevates them in, in the mind and eyes of so much of the world, while also discrediting those same artificial barriers that are put in place to keep everyone else down. Which Absolutely, is really important because work. it's about expanding, right? It's just like, you know, that's because it need to. And in that kind of breaking free, so to speak, I think that's probably what scared everyone, what shocked everybody, because they don't know what to make of it. It's not supposed to happen that way. When you have group of people fighting and rich people to be a part of that group. It's 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 like a, I don't know, it's maybe we're getting, I don't know if we're getting too abstract or not, but it's really interesting idea to think about just even, even like a, it feels like it should be a movie. The, just taking Megan as a, as a, the, an, an embodiment of the one side and Camilla as the embodiment of the other. And you see this sort of, direct rejection of the old hierarchical structures and power structures that keep certain groups of people, large groups of people down and uh, at, at a lower standard of living. And you see the rejection of that and the, the attempt to remove those barriers by Megan. And then on the other hand, you see Camilla's saying, no, actually, I'm going to try to find a way to continue to leverage those existing barriers, just get on the other side of it myself so that I can then continue to reinforce it to my own benefit and to my family's benefit. That's yeah, right. to even reinforce those barriers and even make new ones, frankly. Right. So I think, yeah, to, I, I think their counterpoint is, is definitely stark. Yeah. For sure. and, 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 and I think as we go on into, you will see how much that word elite play in the factor of everything that we will continue getting in as we move on to our next word, Charles. Um, and the next word is crisis. I mean, what is crisis tell us? How should we look at that word that feels scary but shocking? How should we look at it? Yeah, well, I think I think that's exactly it. <laughs> uh, crisis is is not is is never defined as a good thing, and we'll see why. So, first known in the 15th century, it's borrowed from Latin as well, and the Latin actually is crisis. It's about judgment, critical stage, borrowed from the Greek. In fact, it's the act of separating it's decision. It's judgment. It's about the the event, outcome, and turning point, or a sudden change. And then again, uh, another stem of it happens to be to separate or to choose or decide or to judge. These are the roots of where crisis comes from. But the first definition of it is actually the turning point, for better or worse, in acute disease or fever. Um, 
It's an attack of pain, distress, or disordered function. Mm-hmm. It's an emotionally significant event or radical change of a status in a person's life. Uh-huh. And then that's kind of the first group of definitions. The second is actually a decisive moment. Right. As in like a literary plot. Mm-hmm. Or it's an unstable or crucial time in a state affairs uh, in which a decisive change is spending, is impending. Please, Charles, I know I'm going to have you to say it again. And Sussex Squad, please pay attention to exactly what he's saying and think of everything that we've been witness for the past weeks and months. Charles, again, please. Sure. So the second group of definitions is basically a decisive moment. The third is an unstable or crucial time or state of affairs in which a decisive change is impending, especially one with a distinct possibility of a highly undesirable outcome. And then finally, a situation that has reached a critical phase. So those all kind of sum up kind of what is currently known or thought of as a crisis. And as you can say, while most things say that, okay, well, it could be good or it could be a bad thing, like a crisis where maybe a, a, perhaps it's a turning point. And a turning point can be construed as being, okay, well, it could be either good or bad. Um, most of these uh, definitions, uh, and as well as the root, definitely have negative connotations. Wow, Josh. Yeah, I think it's a it's a, one of the words where the the origin uh, and the meaning of the the root words are kind of surprising because just to go back to what you just said, the the Greek word meaning act of separating, decision, judgment, uh, and so on. It's interesting because when we think about it, usually now it comes to mind is like there's this sort of uh, non-active thing that's happening to you or happening to society as opposed to a decision or a judgment that an individual is making that's that's actually spurring the crisis which is an interesting um consideration the the what one may also call consequences <laughs> exactly that's right um there's one of those words where it feels like it's in the news chevrons every single day. And so it feels to me almost, I don't know if it's for everyone else, but it feels to me like it's been dulled uh, in terms of it, the poignancy of it, just because of how frequently it's overused and used and used for things that maybe aren't crises. Um, but some interesting things uh, when you when you kind of dive into it in terms of how some of the academics have, have considered it. Um, there is a, a an interesting book and a, and a review of that book. Uh, the book is The Crisis of Our Age. Uh, and in it, the author, uh, Alexandrovich Sor- Sorokin, argues that every important aspect of the life, organization, and the culture of Western society is in extraordinary crisis. And he continues his words of prophecy. It's, its body and mind are sick, and there is hardly a spot on its body which is not sore. Mm. And that's him writing in 1948. Mm. He said, Sorokin, of course, was not the only one who perceived their modernity as being in a crisis. Uh, Masaryk wrote about the many aspects of crisis of his time in the late 19th century. George Simmel studied the crisis of culture at the beginning of the 20th century. Sigmund Freud warned about the dangerous potential of human destructiveness. And Spengler announced the decline of the West. And Schumpeter argued that cyclical manifestations of economic crises relate to the economy like the heartbeat of a living organism. 
And so it's something that's clearly been uh, at the forefront of how we talk about society, how we describe society, and uh, particularly our, our maybe consistent and persistent fear of uh, a negative change in society. I mean, it, it, it's, it's fair to say we are 13 days away to a coronation, to a woman which now from mysteries to queen. And yet, we still don't know much. There's so much that need to be said that I have not been saying. There's so much that we need to know about this elite woman or becoming elite that we are unable to have an intellectual conversation, a recorded testimony for the future. And we have no idea how she get there beside later that we know that is so not positive. It almost feels like she got there in the back of crisis, after crisis. Well, she instigated the crisis. Exactly. And I think, actually, you bring up a, an important point of especially crisis today in the, in the 21st century because uh, one of – not one, but actually a number of the other um, philosophers and academics and, and journalists who write about it uh, use this term, the unness of crises. Uh, and it's because it refers to a whole bunch of words that all start with un. So there's the unpleasantness in, in unexpected circumstances. Uh, it's representing unscheduled events, unprecedented in their implications, and by normal routine standards, almost unmanageable. And so I think that what you were just saying, the time that we find ourselves in right now, 13 days out, and the situation as it currently is, is just completely unprecedented. And so that's a f very straightforward pretext for it to be described as clearly a crisis. Absolutely. I mean, when you looked at the word and you looked at everything that just been happening in the last week, whether it's Kate find walkabout with Harry and Meghan, one of the hardest things she ever had to do and why that story was important to bring now and why couldn't be earlier and you also hear experts say royal family will be relief megan is not attending king charles coronation and leaving prince harry to go alone as her presence will have been particularly uncomfortable for kate and other senior royal if you looked at the trend on how they keep throwing her under the bus and so we'll get back more into it and to go further, the king's so-called, well, well, you know, they talk about the olive, olive branch. And the whole olive branch thing, it's really a way of to, for the Sussex to have them selling their merchandise. Because all they did was just feature them, not really the best picture, because they could have a, even a much better picture to put in that book that they will sell. But yet, you know, they wanted to put it in the press is that it's them reaching out. And there has been leak after leak after leak. You have Kamala 
Tammany, who had an interview with Robert Johnson, I believe, is that his name? And who wrote a book about the king. But yet, there was nowhere I hear anything about the king. And it seems like it was all about Meghan and Harry. Yeah, here's a book about Charles. Okay, let's talk about Harry. <laughs> do you understand what I mean? And the cheat seat, how you call it? How do you say Cheap it? seats. Yeah. Okay. And we, I believe yesterday, we were dealing about a letter, so-called letter, that supposedly a princess, a duchess had lake. But they quickly find out, oh no, you're not going to do that. And so... For me, I'm looking at this as a crisis that is happening. And what should we be thinking about that? Because I really want to get deep in what I think I am seeing here and how I'm interpreted that. So is there more I need to learn and know about crisis? Well, there's actually one thing that I thought was very interesting. Crises is a matter of perspective. Because what one may perceive to be a crisis may be an opportunity for another. Mm-hmm. So, and that's interesting when you start putting a, that kind of point on it. Because even, you know, when you start looking at some of these other, you know, the, the quotes that, uh, that George read earlier. You know, when I start thinking back in 1948, what they start thinking of, um, you know, modern society being in a crisis. You know, it r- truly does depend on where you're coming from. So if you're thinking of a black person, that did not start in 1948. <laughs> that was nowhere near 1948. Um, it has been going on for quite some time. In fact, so much so that I think uh, the at least black Americans basically were almost to become numb from it. It wasn't until basically the 60s and 70s that actually did, did truly it actually kind of escalate to a point where it actually came to the Civil Rights Act and Martha Luther King and what goes through Malcolm X and so forth. So I, I think to look at crises, I think we really need to be sure of who's actually saying it and in what regard. Because whenever someone does say it, they're trying to push a point of view. And so we always have to kind of keep that in mind. Like to your point, you know, the Chevrons in the news every night. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to express their point of view and they're trying to actually promote fear in people because it's the easiest thing to do in order to kind of get a reaction. So I think we need to be very um, judicious and careful in terms of what we actually say is a crisis. And I think what we're going to say and kind of where we arrived in terms of why the coronation and kind of what's going on and basically Camilla Bowles and the entire situation behind her, why it is such a crisis because it is so important. And then the implications behind it. I mean, even what we even talked about earlier in between, okay, well, where does she actually line in terms of the duality between herself and Megan and what they, what those two things represent? It truly is kind of the dividing line between society at the moment in terms of, okay, well, who's actually trying to actually promote um, the betterment for society generally and those who are trying to keep it basically as it as it's maintained right now. I'm going to get in, but George, please go on. No, I think that's a I think that's a really interesting point, and I think it's right. And I think it's uh, 
it's something for us to certainly keep in mind, especially through the rest of this conversation, um, but also just in general, that when we think of a crisis, it cannot be, to your point, separated from the personal experience and personal uh life conditions of the person who is viewing it as such. Uh, and so when you say just to, to continue with the, exam- the example of the coronation, saying it is a crisis is certainly fair from a, from a number of different angles. But what's important or what kind of comes out from your, from your point is depending on who you're talking to, that crisis manifests itself in very different ways with very different consequences and and connotations. So what is it to be a crisis for members of the Commonwealth versus members of, uh, or, or, uh, English people generally, or, uh, people who are not maybe uh, Americans or, or any, anyone, uh, any dividing line that you want to come across, uh, to think about, thinking about how that particular moment, given how important it is and the consequences and the fact that going back to the definition, this sort of decisive change, uh, a dramatic change that's taking place, how that is contextualized through these different sort of uh, life conditions of those who are viewing it and what that makes the crisis to each of them individually. uh, It's an interesting uh, thing to think through. Well, you know, this is the way I'm looking at it. Why I feel like it is a crisis like we have never seen before, maybe our generation. And specifically this moment, what this man about to do a central throne, something that has not happened in 70 years, something that he had waited almost all his life to be as Prince of Wales. And the woman he chooses to join him, what felt like, in my opinion, equal power. While he had an affair, a divorcee, and yet we need to look at him as the head of England church, a man that has a point of view, some may find discomfort if you are the leader of the church, and some may agree. But regardless how you looked at it, and there's a piece of information that was sent to us, and I would have loved to get into it this week, but we're not going to where there was some argument or at least alluding to that aspect, how could you be the leader of the church and how you see faith and that the respect on it for everyone else. And we still don't know where this man is And he said, maybe he changed. Maybe his view is different. How is the Church of England going to be? Is it going to be remaining the same? Or is it going back to the Pope? Because he is using the relics of Jesus, right? Which in some way I find quite offensive. 
But we're not going to talk about that right now. And we go into every single story that come out feels like there is a purpose for it. And that purpose is to protect this woman that now going to represent the new elite or the new want-to-be elite queen. Because nobody talked to the people of England, at least nothing that I can see, how they feel about this new queen. We're only hearing it from the press, the media, the people that were protecting her. And I'm, I'm not in, I don't believe we are here to defend Kate. And I don't like, really, naming this woman. I'm not here to defend William or even Charles. But the way I'm looking at the crisis that I feel like they are in, we are in with them in some ways. It's like this, I don't know if you guys knew or used to watch, I used to watch the show called, um, it was like 48 hours. Do you remember that show? Keith or Sutherland? Yeah. You know, and, um, and you have Law and Order. And so it's like, you know, um, everyone is a suspect until proving guilty. And I'm looking at every single person as suspects. And as you are pulling, and sometimes it's going to feel or looks like you're defending someone, but you're really not defending. You want to know, you want to see where is that story coming in because they are coming fast and furry and it means for something. It's just that they try to get to the coronation. They try to make it to the coronation and this woman must be protected because first, right, once you hear the whole story about Kate, it's not, I'm not saying that she didn't say it. I'm not saying that she possibly had said it. But why is that coming out now? There was plenty of time for it to come out right now. And it's appeared to be the moment that, you know, there seems to be a backlash about it. Then all of a sudden that, you know, we get hit with the story about some kind of cake designer cake the woman that would design harry and megan just didn't, didn't didn't feel like it's a, something that we need to know now what what's the point what did is she the one that was going to design camilla and 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 charles cake king charles cake what was the story needed from toddler and we also just yesterday get hit again by some stupid story that's probably going to cause them that somehow Megan may leak a letter between Charles and her. Yes, I mean, the headline didn't even read May. The headline read that she did. Do you understand what I mean? And so when you looked at this and you see they won't stop up nothing to protect this woman. 
And it is exactly what Harry had said. They'll leave dead body to make sure on the street just to protect, I'm paraphrasing here, to protect this woman. And I will go further. And I know Sussex Squad Nation, I'm just asking questions. And you guys may disagree with me. And it's okay. And I'll stand corrected if I'm wrong. But I must ask this question. I know we want to believe and we do believe that Megan refused and said no to go to the coronation. Maybe she did. But the reason why I'm questioning that, it's because the statement that was released, we know what the Sussex have seen to us. Can you please read for me, George, what their first statement as they were leaving? Yes. So what they released as they were um, leaving and, and kind of moving forward was that only the official communications team at Archwell will comment or not on any stories concerning the couple. It is a time-honored tradition in journalism used to convey anything from a government spokesman talking off record to, in some unethical quarters, made-up quotes. But unnamed sources will no longer speak for the Duke and Duchess of Sussex their team have promised. The Sussex's communications team at Archwell will speak on the record or not at all, as fans of the couple are warned to pay no heed to mystery sources claiming to talk for them in the press. Right. So if we have to believe that, what would not be them who say, you know, my husband or Harry, the, the Duke, the Prince, I will be attending my father's coronation, but my wife will stay with my kids. They could have done that. Why was it the palace? And if you saw how quickly, it's almost like when you're reading the statement, there was a sense of urgency and rush. Were they set up? That is my question. I don't know that to be the case, but I'm asking the question because there is a similarity on the statement with when the queen had passed. They make a statement that, you know what, um, William's wife would not be going and joining her husband because she would be staying with the kids. And somehow that sounds very familiar again. Did they actually put Harry in a very tough situation because there was still probably negotiation going on? And they move on and, and put that out and force him to be at least getting into a fight or discuss. Oh, I don't know. I'm just speculating here. Because what I do know, this would not be the first time if they did that. I don't know. Allegedly, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just asking a question. It is my opinion. The reason why we remember from Spare there was a statement that was made 
early on when there was a situation regarding their murder that from when if I'm if I'm remember correctly, it was supposed to be a joint statement between him and his brother. And he never signed to it. But nevertheless, the statement was made on his behalf. And we kind of smell a rat then. And I know we are celebrating the fact that you know what, hey, who Megan is. And I have no doubt, not only that she's able to say no, because she said no to them, she rejecting them. But I also know that, you know what, this woman, it's no longer fear them. She have no reason for not showing up, even though with their mockery, because every time they try to attack her, every time they try to make her feel uncomfortable, say something about them, they're the one that will end up looking ugly. She's end up looking incredible. And the whole notion about that, you know, she's scared of being boo. Are, are we serious here? So we're not talking about King Charles being boo. We're not talking about everyone else being boo. But we think that, you know what? This woman, our Sus Sussex, our Duchess, our Megan, somehow, Fear of being boo of a crowd that's probably a mile away when she literally get off a car going to greet a crowd, not knowing whether a bottle's gonna be thrown at her. She have put her life in danger. She doesn't know if anybody's going to do anything to her. Spot her nervous. You can see you can see that she was, yet she pulled herself up. She stomp into the crowd to face destiny. And she did it well. So that woman, that woman you want us to believe the reason why she's not attending. It's because she's afraid of people booing her. Seriously, people. Seriously. And so to me, I am asking why. What am I seeing here? What is going on here? Why one story to cover another, cover another, it's happening. Of course, I have my own thoughts and idea why it is happening. And I probably will summarize everything at the end of the show. So please, guys, am I digging, going into the rabbit hole? Sussex Red Nation, I know you guys are very involved and you let me know you say, Lady Sussex, you are out of your mind with this one. This is not our beliefs. Or are we there to ask that question? Whether or not this statement that was released by the palace it's one that come from Harry and Meghan. Or is it circumstances and maybe perhaps the reason why they didn't say anything because it would have stopped something or whatever that is. I don't know. And I may be completely wrong about this. But because these people have put 
us in a situation after we didn't spare to pretty much question everything that they do because there's a lot of it is just not making any sense, especially the stories that follows after. So please help me, guys. Well, for me, again, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know in terms of what they actually believe to be their, their own particular circumstances and why they say what they say. But the one thing that I will say is it's incredible how their playbook has not changed at all. It is not updated with the circumstances whatsoever. So, and I'm talking about the palace here and basically, you know, the press, just generally speaking. It's amazing that they literally ran away to another country. They made an official statement of saying that unless we say it ourselves in our official vehicle from our official sources, nothing else is true. We ran to it. We're on the other side of the Atlantic in order to create distance from these crazy people. And yet they still are using the same tired tactics in order to um, like cover for themselves. Yeah, I agree. I honestly, I think that is a it's a brilliant question, Lady Sussex, because there's this uh, school of thought. I mean, behavioral economics much more developed over the last few years. Super important and super interesting. If anyone's had a chance to to read it, and it's one of those things where you read it like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, but it's just kind of it helps illuminate the way in which we think about things and and operate. And one of the, those things is uh, confirmation bias, and in in some ways it it may be applicable here is that idea that it just makes so much sense to think of Megan choosing not to go because she doesn't need them she can do whatever she wants she's she's in her own person in her own right and is not defining herself based on the the relation to how the rest of the royal family wants to operate and that great and and valuing their, their safety, valuing her kids' safety, valuing family, all of those things, they all make so much sense. It's like, yeah, of course, that was naturally the decision. Harry's going to go because he's, it's his father and he wants to, 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 to do his duty and, and all of those things. It's like, yeah, okay, great, makes sense. Let's move on. But it runs the risk of exactly that. It runs the risk of confirmation bias because when you look at all of the evidence and you look at what the Duke and, and Duchess have said for themselves what we just read about their how they want people to understand when they're speaking versus when they are not speaking and how to interpret those different things. Uh, it really does make you wonder why all of the reporting, at least that we've seen, um, and it would be great if anyone shows us something different, but all of the reporting we've seen is all about Buckingham Palace's statements uh, and not anything that's specifically coming from Archwell or specifically from Harry and Meghan. So it's, it's yeah, a really but, good question. But you have to ask yourself, okay, if that is the case, why would they do something like that? Because I think, in my opinion, it's just my opinion, my own beliefs, that early on, whenever they could find a way they think that they can embarrass this woman because they keep trying and they keep failing, they want to. They want to go for it or they want to hide behind her. Okay? But if you are looking at what was presenting to us, when you see how they compare her with the Game of Thrones, she have beat the other woman. Am I paraphrasing really well? They say that she being the other woman has she won being, the Game of Thrones. Okay, exactly. Right? 
So if that is the case, if we are about to make this woman queen, our queen, the elite, the new elite queen, we cannot have another woman take on her light. And we know that's exactly what would happen if Megan show up. Her glamour, the expectation, what she's going to wear, how she's going to walk, how she's going to look like, everything that was going, that will happen, that they were all about her. You point. want the light to be on Kamala that day. If you're, if you're, you're speaking for them. That's right. Because as bad it may be on them, they're not going to have the picture they're accustomed to having. They're not probably going to be able to sell this picture and make news afterwards. But they want their queen to be future. They want that attention to be her. Why would they? I mean, the front page of Times, right? Sunday Times, yeah. Sunday Times. To being highlight this woman. And they've been protecting her. Their story about everybody. You mean to tell me nobody is talking about this woman? She's about to ride on the gold carriages with the king, from what I understand. She's about to be anointed. You will not want anybody to take a light of that. And that's exactly what a duchess would have done. And, because and, and to be clear, though, not like Megan would have gone and tried to. Try to. It's just what she, she just commands is, people's attention. This, exactly. When you looked at her at the funeral, there is this famous picture where she's standing up by herself and the rest of the crew on the side of her. She looks like she's the queen. She looks not just really incredible because they were throwing shade. By staying away, we don't want to be. But what they end up look like, ladies in waiting. Ladies in waiting. All eyes was on her. Whether it was when she returned for the Commonwealth, working that aisle with Harry. You see, that is a problem for her. You're not going to have this woman fighting everybody to get where she's at the last 50 years. And just to get to the coronation and not be future. Because if you don't have a duchess there, what else do you have? You will have to force to put her everywhere. And because the game is about to change. Things is going to be about to change. And you see how they're tearing William's wife. And she certainly is not known for her fashion. She's not known, and not that I know, you know, she's known for anything. The last I heard, she's a mute woman. I'm not saying that was not me. 
this is how they view her with her 1940s style. I don't have any problem with that type of style. In fact, I quite enjoy at time that style. But this is not what people tune in for. They tune in to see Megan Sachet bring the heat on. And she never fell once, even when she was wearing browns, dark color, because she wanted to stay in the shadow. So please, am I wrong to see it that way? And was that the issues, the problem, why it is possible, in my opinion, that they had to rush, perhaps maybe with a statement like that, to make sure that she does not attend? I don't think you're wrong at all. I think you're exactly right. And you've got me even more excited to share this specific thing that we found from uh, from our next word because it just it ties that very idea of what that why they did that with everything else that we've been absolutely and so we are going to move on to our last word claps so Charles how should we look at the word claps sure collapse it was actually first uh, the first known use was actually in 1620. Uh, but it's actually Latin from the same, collapsus. And uh, again, so the definition is actually the first is, is to fall or shrink together abruptly and completely. The second is to break down completely or to disintegrate. The third is a cave or fall in or give away. The fourth is to suddenly lose force, significance, effectiveness, or worth, mm. which is quite interesting. The fifth is to break down in vital energy, stamina, or self-control through exhaustion or disease. And then finally, to fold down into a more compact shape. All of those things are what are currently defined as a collapse. Wow. Wow. You know, like sometimes I, I keep saying in the last few services, there's one thing you find that's like, wow, yes, that's exactly the right thing. It ties it all perfectly together. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the one for, for today's service because it's just perfect. And I want you guys to think of in advance of reading it, what you were just saying about why they want Megan potentially in this, in this hypothetical. We don't know to be that to be true. <clears throat> right. Allegedly. We are speculating. We are just um, alleging. Right, and this hypothetical why they would not want Megan to be there. Also, uh, the memories of Diana, uh, and also what we've just been talking about before with the other words of elites and crisis. Uh, So I have all of that in mind. And this is from uh, the Journal of Sociology, and it's an article focusing on understanding state collapse. So what it reads is... uh, that it proposes a theory of um, state collapse. The process of state collapse begins when elites manipulate communal tensions rooted in rival historical memories 
and conflicting communal identities to ignite and sustain a factionalization of political loyalty, leading to communal mobilization against the state. The state's internal sovereignty is in part legitimized by its foreign policy culture and and or subsidized by the uh, international economy. If that's the case, then adverse geopolitical and or economic conditions will create legitimacy dilemmas for the state. These dilemmas conspire with state domestic factionalization to create a state legitimation crisis and a disintegration of state authority. Now, the second part's interesting just in the context of, okay, yes, there's economic crises happening right now, and how do we think about that in in relation to just the bigger picture? But that first part of it uh, really jumped out at me, the, the idea being that the process of a state collapse begins when the elites, again, that idea that when there's dis... Uh, there's instability when the elites are not uh, in, in, in line with each other. So the process of collapse begins when elites manipulate communal tensions rooted in rival historical memories and conflicting mm-hmm. communal identities. And so these uh, historical memories of, of Diana, historical memories of previous coronations, uh, historical memories of even just recent memory in terms of how do, how do you think about these images that are portrayed, whether it's with Megan or without Megan, what does that mean in terms of how you can create these factions and how you can um, sort of separate groups from each other and potentially uh, ultimately uh, down the road, how did those factions then relate to the state uh, in this in this case? But it's just, I thought that it, it brought together really all of the, the things we've been talking about in terms of how they work together really well. Yeah, and even to add to that list, the Church of England. So just the simple fact of, okay, well, what the Church of England used to stand for, why it was actually created, and basically how important and integral the monarch is to the Church of England, and then basically how Charles is currently treating it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before I get in, please tell me more. There's only there's only one other thing that... that um, kind of jumped out when looking through uh, investigating the word. Um, and it's from a book actually titled um, Collapse, and it's the shape, of, uh, the shape of the Past, which is an interesting idea, that collapse is what, what shapes the past. Um, and the author writes basically that the concept of collapse in history is one of the most normative conceptions through which human past gets a shape. So it's and at first conception when you hear it, it's like, oh, that's a terrible... Uh, uncommon occurrence, but when you look at the historical trend, not just a li- in a lifetime, but over many lifetimes, it's actually a fairly normal thing, and it's actually what gives shape to our history. Uh, and he goes on, he says, there's no necessary incompatibility between progress and decline, uh, because the decline of some things can itself be interpreted as a mark of progress. And so uh, whether it's a given person, a figure, an identity, a group, a monarchy, a church, whatever that may be, uh, it its decline or collapse in and of itself is not necessarily a, a backward thing. It could still be part of a, a forward progression, and it always will be in terms of historically speaking. Um, but it's just a uh, it's an interesting thing to think about of stepping back from the personal perspective of thinking about the events that happen and, and taking a longer time frame from a historical worldview that these crises, these collapses, which in part are, are stewarded or ushered in by deliberate or otherwise action by the elites, uh, that actually is what gives shape to all of the history that's led us to where we are right now. Absolutely. And so for me, 
why do I feel like this is collapsing in itself? You know things are collapsing when they have a story about Kamala's son came out to so-called defending her. Where has he been all this time? What was this story printed that Camilla had no end game in Mary King Charles for love, her son says. And Cosmo, that's taken from Sussex, from Royal Sussex, we got that. I think Cosmo, Queen Camilla's sons, shuts down Prince Harry claim that she played the long game to marry King Charles. Okay, we're going to let that sit. Really? I think another to answer these questions, that is really not a question. It's statement of fact, what did occur, what did happen. We should let a viewer see a few of different clips. The husband that she waited for seven years before he married her and the situation with that, the affair with Prince Charles for whatever, whatever the amount of how long that was before she get married and now here she is and she's not in for it for the long game. Why don't we let them see for themselves? So, guys, can you guys answer this question? Has this woman has shown to the world she was ready to play the game and she was ready to play that long game? Because I will tell you, The best incredible story, research, investigation that happened that deserve an award. And I need to do some investigation myself how I can make that happen for him. It's bearing at Sussex Royal, Royal Sussex. And I'm going to get into that incredible, when I mean incredible story, investigation, because it changes the format of this show for me. Because that piece of evidence that we call receipt, that he was able to dig in and find, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. I think this is one of those pieces of evidence and receipt. It's not just going to change the game. It's starting making you think, oh, now I understand why Harry have a 400 pages book left. It's opened the door to examine so many things. And it explains why 
they are after the Sussex as hard as they after them. In my opinion. Because that piece of investigation, it's the one that you know years ago by the independent. In my opinion, when the independent was independent. And you have another one that he found by the New York Post where Kamala's kids admit playing with the candy. And that's how he phrased it. For reason why we will not specifically call it out, but it's on your screen. So to me, that opens the door to question, was this guy, a 24-year-old man, at the time I believe Harry was 14, William was 16, was he a part of Club H that Harry talked about? Was this man... And I'm asking the question, was that the, where the story that Harry talked about, where the so-called journalist said, I have this piece of information that you do this, you do that. And Harry said, no, that's not true even though it was true, because there's no way anyone would have known this. And of course, they back up, not because they believe him, but they back up for a reason. And he was happy that they do. Was the reason why was because the person that was implicated, the mole that was there, and who that person is related to. Because why this story is being hidden for that long. And it took Baron to bring this story forward. And I'll go further. Because we know they have to protect the heirs at all costs. And we don't never hear anything of sort of. But the speculation these days, he's perhaps he enjoys a good pulled pork sandwich. I cannot believe I'm actually saying this in presence of God in a church service. I don't think you guys know what I'm talking about, but Sussex Squad Nation knows exactly what I'm talking. Do you guys know what pulled pork sandwich is, by the way? No, no. Okay, there's silence, so nobody knows. So anyway, it's an inside, something inside. But the squad knows exactly what I'm talking about. So I'm asking the question, was this particularly person was placed as a mole around Harry and Meghan because they say they were best friends? How could be a 24 years old? What does a 24-year-old man has in comment with a 16 
and a 14-year-old boy. I didn't say, the article said it. So, I don't know any of this to be true. But this is something that we need to put a pen on and really examining very deeply to figure out. It's a lot of the stuff Harry talk about. The leaking and the stuff that was saying, the fact that, you know, he was looking around all his friends and not talking to them because he feels that they were leaking. If they were so close, they were hanging out there. Is it possible or am I wrong to ask this question? Can, is it something to be alleged to? Yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly a question worth asking. And I think even more so when you look at all of the, the facts and the circumstances, it, it, it makes that question seem even more, uh, important to ask. And part of that is specifically where you came from in the beginning of this part of the conversation of talking about the long game, that idea of a long game. Um, and it's, it also goes to just what you were saying about how this is really a crisis for them and that you can see the collapse and so you can see the cracks. Um, because one of the things that seems to happen in crises and, and when there's a collapse is that there's almost like a, there's a rush. There's an urgency to move quickly. And sometimes when you move quickly, things are not always as perfectly orchestrated as they could be. And there's not always a cohesiveness or a, 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 a surety that each of the different pieces don't contradict each other. But the fact is, even that headline about Camilla didn't play the long game according to her son is in direct opposition that's from the media right it, mm -hmm. it's that it's that same entity is a direct opposition with another piece that just came out from that same general group of of media tabloids the one that you quoted earlier saying she literally won the game of thrones <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's that is. They're saying that she won. She played the long game better than anybody else, and that yeah. she won the Game of Thrones. But at the same time, saying, "Oh, she didn't play the long game." It's like what? <laughs> you guys are contradicting yourselves. And when you, it's when you're contradicting yourselves, it also makes that question of: Is he also part of the long game? Is he also the one that was in the room? Is he part of the reason why that particular story didn't get released because of what it would have implicated for him and for his mother? makes all of that seem much more worth asking. That, that, that's why I think they have a problem in their hand. I think it was a mistake putting him out at the time they put him out. Based on when you listen to the interview of Tommy with Jobson and we got to let them listening to that interview where she was alluding that the fact is that, you know what, maybe Kate and William are work shine. When they talk about the fact is, is that, you know what, there is a lack of, there's more work than they are while to do them in terms of glamour, in terms of youth. And that, you know what, maybe 
Kate Ann Williams should do more. What does that mean? Because before we were told there was a downside, right? They were downsizing. So if we are to believe you are downsizing, why is it now there is a problem where there's not enough young to actually do the work because you kick out your superstar? I have an idea why that may be, but let me let, let them listen to this part of the interview. So, Charles, let me go to you before I make my statement. What are your thoughts? Well, I certainly think your question is right asking, for sure. And it is certainly interesting just in terms of when you start thinking about where all this is starting to head. And everything that we've kind of talked about before, how all this is kind of culminating and building onto one thing. And then how you have this one person who basically was in a completely different social setting. She was the mistress. She basically is, she was somebody who was a convenience. Mm -hmm. And then she went from being a convenience to being very much an inconvenience. And then... Someone who literally the queen wouldn't even say her name. That's right. I mean, even her, her now husband, for a very long time, it's her friend. He, that's that's his friend. He has a lot of friends. Right. So someone who is very much on the outside of the inner circle has now somehow managed to work her way into the very most inside of that circle, mm -hmm. and some could say even running said circle through Charles, it's difficult to say that there isn't a long game. It's difficult to say that that just happened by matter of happenstance. <laughs> like, I don't think any of that was coincidental. I think it took a lot of effort, a lot of planning, um, and a lot of help. I don't think she got there by herself either. So I think if you just kind of step, take three steps back and look at it from a greater vantage point, um, you could really kind of start to see the threads of this narrative kind of pull itself together. And then, yeah, you can start to make a lot of correlations behind all these different kind of crazy things that have been going on. So, and then, you know, then just start talking about how some of the other people kind of either implicated or basically how they're linked towards this common objective or this objective of hers. Um, and then inexplicably how it even works in their, doesn't work in their best interest. Like, I don't see, I don't see how what she says or what she actually wants to have happen, how it works in Charles' best interests. England's best interest or William's best interest. It only seems to work in her best interest. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, unless you have something to say, um, George, for me, this is what I see. It's happening in my opinion. And I'm alleging these things. I don't know them to be true or fact, but it just 
there is the crack is opening and I'm seeing little things here. It's almost like the puzzle is starting taking shape. The fact is, is that, you know, I love nowhere they will say, oh, you know, Charles was downside. Now we're not too longer talking about downside no more. Now we're talking about the fact that, you know, we don't have enough young royals. Nobody's talking about Eugenie. Nobody's talking about those girls. Those girls are young. Those girls are popping. Why they are not taking on more work? There's Zara. There's other people. Why we are not talking about this? They are royals, right? And so the idea is, is, is that, you know, we are downsizes. But yet, at the same token, we are hearing that, you know, we're going to need more people out there. In my opinion, what is happening is they are, not that I'm taking for William's wife or Williams, because I do believe, in my opinion, they are lazy. They not they have not stand for what they should have been stand for, doing what I thought they was going to be able to do. Why in the beginning that I was a supporter of that woman, that I thought that she was a new thing coming in and that was going to change stuff. And I'm still waiting. That I thought William was that idea of that big brother turn out the relationship that I thought that they have. Looking at those two boys in the eyes of my mother, that wasn't the case, confirmed by Harry and Spared. And all these people, the press, if you are protecting the monarchy, you're protecting the air, you're protecting them. Why all this story back to back to back to back if you're protecting them? Why is it that, you know, now all of a sudden that, you know what, we need people to do the work? They, in my opinion, are preparing for this woman kids to take center stage. They already, they are going to be center stage in the coronation. And so now we can have them out there. Why would they not be out? Why would they not taking on royal duty? After all, their mothers are queen. It just makes perfectly sense. Right? If my mother is queen, what does that make me? So where did they prepare or are they preparing? As I have been saying, in my opinion, they're ready to change the game. And the only person that stand in their way and that seems to be a problem for them, it's Harry and Meghan. Because that is the two people they yet to be able to dirty. They can't dirty them. They keep asking for their title back. They're not getting it. Okay? And they keep putting story after story. The more they go after them, the more successful they become. There is absolutely nothing they have on them. And so they are a problem. Because if you are going to make this woman a queen. And you are going to try to change the game. The only way you can actually do that. 
is to not have anyone that doesn't have a baggage for you to go after. You have, because when you looked at Kate, they say she's a mute woman. She has not yet to defend herself. Her husband is not defending her. You have all these stories about her husband. And they send signal to these people, this is what we can do to you by printing a lot of those negative stories about them. And we know they have buckets on King Charles, in my opinion, based on even what they printed. But the only person we are not hearing anything about, and we 13 days away, is the woman who wants with her as mistress, who soon to be called and changing title, the Queen of England. So please, Sussex Squad Nation, I know I'm going deep into the rabbit hole. Please hold my feet and bring me back. Make that make sense for me. And guys, am I wrong to see it this way? Is it what I am seeing here? Please help. I think that it is certainly a possible interpretation. I don't think that... I think... I think anyone who looks objectively at the facts can see where you're coming from. So, George, I am alleging all these things. If you don't have anything to add on, I think it might be a time we take a break. We go into our first song that we was unable to do last week. And we'll reflect because I think it's a wonderful song. I think it's a song that tells the story in so many ways of Harry and how we looked at the situation we all find ourselves in 13 days out. But in also find ourselves in a place of blessing. Little blessing. The fact is, is, is that, you know what, again, Baron from Royal Sussex came out with this incredible report that I think was going to change the game. It's not just a blessing. It's everything. So, George, if you, or Charles, if you have a verse for us to lead us to our first song. Yeah, actually, I have uh, two good ones, which I think are, are very fitting in terms of what we're looking at. Uh, one is 
very famous. So it's probably one of the most famous ones out there. It's actually Exodus 20, 3 verses 6. Um, Thou shalt not have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not uh, make unto thee any graven image or likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is of the earth beneath or that the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I, the Lord God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of my fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that, uh, that hate me, and shewing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thank you, God, for this. And uh, let's enjoy this wonderful song. Because it is a miracle that all of us are here. Wasn't that powerful? Wasn't that incredible? So as we closing the service, before we get into prayers, how should we look at the next few days and 13 days really out. How, how should we summarize everything we just talked about, boys? No, I think that... Um, I think that what George had mentioned earlier about how the three words were really encapsulated quite well in terms of collapse. So you have the elite... You have the crisis that's been manifested and then the resulting collapse. And I think that's where we need to kind of keep our keep our minds about, okay, well, where's all this energy going and what's going to be the likely result? And then how is it going to actually affect all of us? And then how can we ourselves kind of keep ourselves um, sane and then also protect it in that, okay, well, keeping judgment in terms of what we start to hear. There's going to be a lot of um, blame. There's going to be a lot of misinformation. There's going to be a lot of garbage that comes across. And it's in all of our best interest that we um, interpret it in a way that, um, that benefits us. And we understand where they're coming from, and we we hold um, we hold them accountable for what it and is they're fairness. trying to say. And fair, we mm -hmm. must always, you know, move in a place of fairness. Josh, I think um, I'm I'm excited to hear your your summary just from what we were talking about previously in terms of what's the big picture. And I think for me, anyway, it um, it goes back to not just what we've talked about today, but what we've been talking about for a number of weeks now and how all of these work together because we don't do these services and sort of one-off things that uh, exist in isolation. They really are meant to compound and build and help illustrate a, a picture and, and really provoke questions. And I think that question of the long game that's being played uh, is, is something that uh, really warrants a lot of attention. Well, thank you, guys. Um, I was reflecting, and as you guys are speaking, and I wanted to 
really summarize everything and see what the play and why the game is played or is played, what's in it for them. And I decided that, you know what, maybe I should wait for next Sunday because it's going to be a big, big, big day. And that will be probably the last service before the coronation. And I think that's probably when my opinion on why the game is playing the way it's being played. I think that was where it probably will be more fitted. And so Sussex Squad Nation, I know I may be wrong about all this. I know this is alleging. I know this is me speculating. And we try to come into a place of writing, be a part of the history. I think I said in the beginning, we are present for it. History called us, and here we are. And I think it's we need to be present in the next few days. And I don't have to tell you guys because you guys are doing an incredible job out there. So this is how we'll end the show. Um, let's move on to prayer because we have a lot of people to pray for. We need to pray for guidance for the for the next 13 days. George, would you walk us to prayer, please? Ab- absolutely. And today, especially just knowing that we are now two weeks out, we want to ask you, God, for guidance, for patience, for perseverance. We've heard each other as we've shared the frustrations and the challenges and how much it can wear you down. And we ask that you help us to remember what many of us have heard before. It's a quote by Margaret Mead. And it's a belief that each of us, especially everyone in the Sussex squad, should keep in mind for the next two weeks. That they should never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, is the only thing that it is ever has. Help us to remember that. Help us to live that. Help us to remember that we, even in our own individual actions, make a difference and that we matter and that we contribute to making a better world. Give us the strength for the next two weeks so that we can endure and thrive and support Harry and Meghan and support everyone who's trying to make the world a better place. And as always, please be with those who are less fortunate. Please be with those who have been affected by, especially the climate, which we have in particular mind this past week. Please be with those who have and continue to be the victims of a senseless mentality of shoot first and think later especially all of the recent violence that's occurred. Please be with the families of those affected as well. Thank you so much, Josh. What an appropriate prayer. 
especially when you think about the report of how many trolls, thousands of trolls, trolling this woman, and here, the Sussex squad, in some ways, sometimes maybe feel small, but we are bigger, our frame, our standing, our military feel big because we have gods. And we have Princess Diana guiding us. So I thought today, rather worship with you guys with a song it's been a while since we do a poem that I think it's really fitting for this moment as we think of Harry for the next two weeks as he's getting ready to make his presence at the coronation. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Charles and George. It's always a pleasure having you guys. Thank you, Lady Sussex. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Sussex Squad, for your continued support and love. Have a great Sunday. Good afternoon. Please always remember your mental health come first. Make sure you take care of it. Good day. God bless you all.